Welcome to the Recovery Edgecast. My name is Alfredo and I'm an alcoholic. Today we have a special episode that is actually going to the archives for District 23. Our friends Norma and Jim agreed to give us a long-timer history of the Tritown Thirst Quenchers group that has been around, I've come to find, since 1977. I hope you get a kick out of this, especially if you are from the area. Thank you, Norma and Jim, and I look forward to many more long-timer stories like this. I'm Norma McClary. You don't have to say your whole name if you don't want to. I don't mind, but okay, I'm I'm I, no, I'm Norma McClary. <laughs> okay, and I'm Jim McClary. Thanks for being here to do this. Um, so this is our archive audio for the Thirst Quenchers group, and what we want to know is what it was like when you guys found it, how it's changed, you know, um, what it's like today, and just some of the differences and what you guys have seen. It, um, how you guys have seen it like move and transform and you know maybe you even know the founders or just any early um, memories or facts that you guys know that would be uh, helpful or of use to the archive committee how does that sound? Great. Sounds good I think Norma you have um, Okay going as far back we moved here in January of 1995, and of course the Tri-Town Thirst Quenchers pre-existed um, that point in time. I'm not sure that they were always called the Tri-Town Thirst Quenchers, because my memory is we had some discussion and voted on that name. Cool. Um, but there's been, it was a Tri-Town meeting long before the Tritown Thirst Quenchers became its name. Um, the earliest and steady members that we were introduced to when we first got here were Joe Jones, who is deceased, but he always used his full name, and um, Dave Maloney, his sponsor, who always used his first name. Um, <clears throat> I know when we first got here, they were having some issues with where they were going to be meeting. Um, they had at one point been meeting at the library basement in Decono, but that wasn't an option anymore. Um, it was kind of a challenge in 95, 96, it was somewhere in that area because I don't think I immediately found that group. I was still going to meetings in Longmont. Um, but in the 95, 96 timeline, um, we struggled around trying to find a location to meet regularly. Um, the first place I think we landed for perhaps a year was the St. Teresa's um, adjunct building, the, not the church proper, but the additional building that they had across the street. Um, but they gave us some challenges. We couldn't store anything there, and they would boot us if they had a meeting or a special event that they wanted to use their room for. 
Um, so probably within a year, we moved over to a little tiny, tiny shack of a house, um, or it, technically in Evans, um, between Firestone and Frederick, right across from that Baptist church that's in the cement building. Right. It was a little green building. I think it might still be a green building, um, but we met there for maybe a couple years. And um, that meeting at that time was meeting on Monday and Friday nights. Um, so those went on for quite some time. And it was a revolving door. Um, Bill S. was another um, founding member of that group. Um, and then it, it was the revolving door that is often the case. And a lot of the people were older and have died. Um, like Joe and, and Dave are no longer with us. Um, there was a doctor that used to come regularly. His name was John. He's gone. Um, Paul, um, Elder Paul, is another regular, the white-haired Paul, and I do not know his last name, that he might be a good one to try to pick his brain and see what he could glean from um, the early days. Um, but then Joe had lived in the apartments over in Firestone that were on the corner by the skis or ski ball, yeah. that former restaurant bar. Um, but he moved into the little house on 4th and Oak across from the Frederick um, Post Office, probably in 97 or 98, 99 by the latest. And um, his, his ex-wife could, um, or I don't even think it was his ex-wife, um, tell us um, when he moved into that house. And... Um, <clears throat> Because we were having issues with that little greenhouse in Evans, he said, well, let's start meeting at my house. Because there were really any other options, we agreed. And it worked out for 10 or 12 years. And would probably be continuing to this day if Joe were still with us. But it all ended when he died. Um. How much sobriety did you have around this time? Like, well, it was in Evans and transitioning to, like, Frederick. Well, Were you pretty young in your program? Well, I um, got sober in 1987, so 95, 96, 97. You know, I was 8, 10 years sober when cool. I became affiliated with the yeah. Tritown Thirst Quenchers. And this was in the 90s at this point? Yeah. What were the meetings like in that home? How was attendance? And <laughs> I see Jim laughing over here. It must have been laughing. Well, I would say uh, <clears throat> this little house, and I do mean little, um, I'm going to say under a thousand square feet. Oh, easily, probably 800 square feet. Tiny yeah. century, turn of this last century house. I know on some occasions that little house would have people in the living room, the bedroom, and the kitchen. 
and it was so small you could actually hear you could the Amazon you could actually hear uh, you could actually hear the speakers talking um, mm-hmm. you know and, and it was it was uh, it's a very casual meeting. We would move off and out into the backyard, uh, set up chairs out there. On occasions, we'd go to the park and have a barbecue. And you know, uh, the attendance could fluctuate from a few of us to twenty-four. I think was the high count in that tiny little house. It was remarkable, and that was also when it was indoor. I remember. Every chair was filled on the outer wall, into the kitchen, into the bedroom. And then younger people were sitting on the floor cross-legged just to attend the meeting. But that was a pretty remarkable thing to pack that many people into the house. And yeah, it it could be anywhere from 3 to 23. But the average was probably a solid 8 or 10. Jan and um, Ron Labonte were other um, older members of that group that have since moved to um, Oklahoma. Um, and it was, it was structured. It was, it was um, maybe casual because of the atmosphere of the home, but it was still, we read the um, How It Works. We read a opening preamble. The, and the 12 steps, and we closed with the Lord's Prayer at every meeting without fail. Joe was um, an old-school um, AA guy. I think when he passed in 2011, he had 34 years. I believe so. It was in that 32, 33, 34-year range. He was a long-time sober guy. What was his last initial? J. And he really relished having that meeting in his home because he didn't drive. And um, he was semi-retired, so it gave him an opportunity for an open-door presence for new guys that needed someone to talk to. He was available for them. No, the... uh one character that I remember the most was uh, Dave Maloney, who was, uh, re- I don't know if he's retired, but... He was, yeah, a uh, Navy pilot, or was it Air Force? Yeah. Pilot. Yeah. Pilot, yeah. And he had that structure and that discipline, so anybody got out of line at the meetings, Dave pretty much was like, that's not right. That's mm-hmm. the he, he would call, out, call you out on your BS, I mean, in a heartbeat. And uh, I think that's changed a little bit in today's meetings. Yeah. Uh, we're a lot more, uh, I don't know how to say it. Politically correct and socially unacceptable. <laughs> Maybe that's Maybe a great easier on each other. <laughs> yeah, back then, uh, you know, I can remember Dave bringing people to tears. But, you know, now that I think about it, those people are still around. Uh, it was definitely some tough love going on in there. Uh, yeah. And some of the stories Dave could tell. <clears throat> uh, 
he was quite the character. I remember one story. He was uh, up at a. He was a very intelligent man. He was, went to the school of mines, and he was at a football game there. <clears throat> and in a drinking episode, decided to go out and receive a pass during the game. As a as a bystander, as a <laughs> member of the viewing community, not as a football player. Yeah, as a fan. He was out there. I'm open. I'm open. Yeah, but wow, there's just a lot of good memories back mm-hmm. then. Um, and there were struggles too. I mean, personality clashes. Uh, I can remember. Sometimes where there were almost fights in the in the little house. Uh, Did the meeting have a GSR and other service position and stuff? I believe so. I believe Joe. That was the downside, I would say, to this house. Joe um, really didn't. He, he was kind of the elder statesman, and he was happy to take on more service positions than he really should have and not give other people opportunities. I would say that would have been the biggest negative in hindsight of that meeting. Hmm. So then, mostly when conflicts would happen, was it Joe kind of settling it or like I mean I, I don't know if there were ever any fights or anything no it never came to throwing yeah nothing like that no no it, they just seemed to resolve themselves yeah well there was a split at one point was there? there was and that became the um, new Friday night new hope group really? Yeah. the first meeting of that group was actually in our living room when Kevin and uh, Connie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kevin found the church at the farm to meet in. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's some good things that came out of that conflict, some really good things. So I was going to ask if there are any people that are still attending out here that used to attend in that little house and it sounds like Kevin and Connie certainly did correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah Deborah so Kevin Connie Deborah Paul um, used to attend they're still around that are still, still around yeah mm-hmm. they, I mean Bill is still on the planet but he's not coming mm-hmm. I don't think he might be willing to I don't know if he'd be willing to yeah, he might about. be willing to share his Memories. There's a section on this form where I can list um, people that are still, like, active from the group and stuff. So that's why I'm asking, because I'm, you know, yeah, curious if I could fill that out. Um, were there any other... Well, you just mentioned that another meeting was formed eventually. Mm-hmm. Before that, were there any other meetings out here? No. No, that was it, on, but it met twice a week. It met twice a week? Yeah, Monday and Friday. Okay. Do you remember the times? Yeah, it was from 7 to 8. 
It was an open, it was an open AA meeting, so anyone could attend. When did it, uh, where did it go next after the, after the location from the home had to? Move? Rocky Mountain. Who moved it? We, all of the existing people at the time moved it. Jenny, um, I think. Jenny L. Now she was Jenny M. Then I think she was um, had started a few months prior to Joe's passing, so I think she was involved with that, and you know it was just a collaboration. John P. He was a big one, but he's passed away too, um, and we all. Um, were given permission to take all of the AA supplies and literature and um, we moved it into people's garages in totes um, and we continued to meet at Joe's house after his death for I think four months until his wife said, it's really going on the market and I need to clean it up. You guys won't be able to meet here anymore. And that's when we started hunting around and Rocky Mountain could give us one night a week and that's when it moved to Tuesday. And then we've been in, you probably remember, quite a number of different rooms in that um, facility, but it's been there ever since. Hmm. I remember I, I had a... <clears throat> I knew a lady from the program in Longmont that went to work for Rocky Mountain. Joyce, yeah. Joyce, yeah. Uh, yep. And it's through her that we had the uh, contact to get in there. She uh, she was like activities director for Rocky Mountain yeah. or something. Yep, she was nice. And she's still around, I would think. I think so, yeah. But she didn't live out no, here, and she, she never came to meetings out here. So, besides the change, how have you, or the, the location change, what, what do you know that's different now with Thirst Quenchers than it was when you first found it? I mean, I guess location has a big, um, it's kind of a big deal for this meeting because the, the setting changed and I bet every time it changed, the meeting kind of felt different. Well, it dropped off in attendance significantly. I know yeah. for the longest time when um, we started up at Rocky Mountain, there would be three or four or three or four or three or four or five people in attendance. And mm -hmm. it took a long time to reestablish a presence there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. What year was it that it moved to Rocky? 2012. 2012. Wow. wow. I'm so uh -huh. glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I know Joe died in September 2011, and it was four or five months. It might have been February, but it was January or February when we moved over there. Hmm. What are your thoughts on thirst quenchers today, or at least the last couple of years? I thought it had grown significantly and was a vibrant meaning when I stopped in March of 2020. Um, it was kind of exciting that it seemed to be drawing people from surrounding areas and mm -hmm. you know people were um, heard about the meeting and wanted to attend yeah. it was a good solid format you know it, regulation AA there was nothing um, n they weren't rewriting any rules it's Solid AA. Did the format change at all? Not really. Yeah. So Not really. the, uh, um, you know, the reading. The I that. yeah. I think at one point when we first um, went over to Rocky, within the first couple of years, I think there was um, some wording change to the preamble, um, but very minor, very minor. Before it was the welcome, the, rather not the preamble. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask about the seventh tradition. Did they have one at the little house? Uh, the collection, mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And that kind of <laughs> funded the coffee, and um, like Jim mentioned, we had um, semi-regular gatherings. The you know in either a barbecue, and Joe, Joe had a giant backyard, so in the yeah. summers with the outdoor meetings, we could have um, a barbecue, or over at the park, we did that a couple times, I think, at Chris Park, because um, that was close by. Yeah, he was very much about, um, you know, that, that group uh, liked the... the fellowship outside of the AA meaning structure. Mm -hmm. These barbecues were, um, I'm guessing, were they pretty, uh, like, laid-back, unofficial type things? Oh, yeah, or, yeah, Okay, definitely. so they didn't have flyers. For no, 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 stuff, no, right? no. It was casual, very yeah. casual, huh? Yeah. Very anonymous. <laughs> I like that, very casual and anonymous. But I don't remember if the, the word was put out for other groups to attend. I, I don't. Deborah might remember. How did people find the meeting? That was a challenge. <laughs> yeah. well, Joe had a, um, an AA emblem hanging. There's a little chain link fence around the house, and mm -hmm. he had an AA emblem hanging on the gate. Um, and, of course, it has a street address, but a lot of people would show up at this house and think, well, this must be wrong, and leave. Hmm. <laughs> but the emblem helped. Yeah. 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 And eventually, eventually, you know, if they wanted it, they would, they would find it. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. That's made it kind of mysterious. Oh. Almost, but know. if you think about it, what happened in the 1930s? That people were meeting in homes. Yeah. Very cool. Very true. 
Um, now, for you guys, what have you seen change in AA from when you first got sober to like today? Like, how is it different now? Just a your experience in general, I should say. I don't know that AA has really changed. Um, like Jim was mentioning about Dave Maloney earlier, I think maybe people are more reticent to call someone out on their BS. Um, and there is a bit more of a permissive atmosphere. And on some level, that may not be a bad thing, because I know um, in Oklahoma, the home group that we first went to, the old-timers there did not want to hear anything um, that was not alcohol-related so far as drug addiction goes. And I think... Um, the meetings now are more accepting and inclusive of people that even even if they don't have alcoholism, if they just struggle with a drug addiction, that they're welcome. And I believe they should be because it's all variations on a theme. And I think maybe that would be one of the major differences between you know, 1987 and <coughs> today. I think one of the major changes that's happened is uh, people were still doing 12-step calls back then. I mean, a lot more than today. And uh, I think a lot of people that come into AA are coming out of treatment facilities. Right. And uh, so I, I would agree that people, their experiences have changed before they get to AA. And uh, they've got therapy and stuff behind them before they they come in and uh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing I, I'm, I know the treatment centers are a good thing but uh, it's definitely had an effect on the program um, you know it, it's gone from what are you doing to stay sober to how are you feeling today I don't know if that you know, what's your feelings? They didn't really care too much about your feelings back then. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, and it's, it's a minor change, but. Well, yeah, the, the, I guess there was more bluntness. <laughs> you know, take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth. And I don't remember the last time I heard that. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. So there's a lot more treatment today than there was back then. Oh, yeah. Almost like um, an industry was found for it. It existed, maybe but it's... Ex maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know another thing that's happened is uh, back then the courts used to order people into AA, which they no longer can do. Hmm. Uh, wow. It's uh, considered a religious program now, so... Although, in, in smaller communities, they still do it. Yeah. Uh, I just was talking to an old friend, um, Jan L., um, that used to come here. They moved to Oklahoma, and they live in a very small community. And she said the judge is still quarter-ordering people to their meeting. So, they haven't caught up in Oklahoma. 
Very good. Anything else you want to talk about, uh, about thirst quenchers? You guys have seen a lot with thirst quenchers, the, the moves and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yeah. There was something very unique and charming about the thirst quenchers when they were meeting in the little house at 4th and Oak, Joe's house. Um, but it was still regulation solid AA. Yeah. It was like a candlelight meeting without the candlelights. Right, right. Yeah, you know, how people open up and... And today it's at the Rocky Mountain Church. From tiny to huge. And I think Rocky Mountain Church is like a chain church, isn't it? Where they have... Do they have There's only two. There's oh, really? the, the parent church is in Niwot, and then oh. they planted this church I here. Then. I'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty big and official. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, the location seems to make a difference, too. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think if people are desperate and want a meeting, they'll show up. They will go into a little white house or a little greenhouse and do what it takes, yeah. All right. Norma, Jim, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And uh, this one will go down in the archives then. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Norma and Jim, for sharing your long-timer story with the Recovery Edge cast. And thank you, listeners, for checking us out. You can find more of our episodes on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Check us out, share us, and leave a comment. We'll see you next time.